0: Guys, if you'll turn in your Bibles, we're going to go back to chapter 9 now, John. John chapter 9, if you're using a pew Bible, that's page 566. John chapter 9. Now, we're going through the Gospel of John. Remember, we're taking it section by section. Our overall point is is to meet Jesus, but also to learn about ourselves as we're meeting Jesus. Jesus. We're in that section of John, chapter 7 through 12, where Jesus is meeting outright hostility and unbelief, and we've talked about that a little bit. We got into chapter 9, and Jesus is dealing with the situation of a man who's born blind. He's answered that question for us. He's brought healing to that man. He's operating out of our boxes. I'll talk about our boxes here in a moment. But we're going to see today that sometimes when God works out of the box, he... Not everybody's going to accept that. So, again, we're going to deal with people who don't want to believe. But let's talk about our boxes for a moment because this is where you and I tend to be at, and this is where a lot of people around us are at. You and I create boxes in which we define how God is, who He is, and how He will act. And that's our quote box, it's a theological box. And so a lot of us will create this box of who God is, and so we try to operate with this box and help us to understand life and understand God, but the problem is God doesn't function in our boxes. A lot of times God will work outside of our boxes and blow our minds away. Now the problem is, is that there's a danger with the box, and so let's talk about it. I'm give you a couple of points here. First of all, when we talk about the danger of our boxes. Here's the the number one danger with a box. Okay, you might say, well, I don't know that's a danger. Well, it can be. Here it is. It's easy to function in life within our predefined concepts of God. Boxes are easy. Boxes tend to be the things that we were told about God, and so that's what we think about him. And so we function within that. And so it's easy to operate in a world in which we understand God because that's our box. It's easy to live there. Now the problem is, I've already told you, is that God operates outside of our box. He's not defined by our boxes. He's not defined by it at all. And that brings discomfort to us because... We find comfort in living in our little view, and I use the word little purposely, our little view of God. Because if you think about it, well, I've got a big view of God. It's still little. No matter how big your view of God is, it's still little compared to who he is. And there's a danger in which it comes upon us that we are comfortable, we're happy within our confines of God... And when God does something bigger, that just makes us uncomfortable, and we don't like that because we like being comfortable. Here, here's the second thing that's a danger. Those concepts can provide a cover for unbelief and the judgment of others. Now, the problem with is being having this concept of God. We've got him in a box. We lit, we're comfortable with that. I've already mentioned to you, God, a lot of times, will work out of the box And then what we end up doing is is if somebody doesn't want to live in our confine of our box, we what? Judge them. We reject them. In fact, we may even cover for our own belief. Why? Well, somebody could get up here and say God can do anything. And our little box about God doesn't allow us to believe that. I remember a distinct conversation I had with a guy. He and I were spending the summer. He was actually going to spend a whole year. I was spending the summer in Kenya, East Africa. And when you got two young guys who are in school together, you discuss a lot of theology. So we did our work during the day. We're back at the house that we're staying in. And so we're arguing with each other. And I was telling him that I believe God can do anything. And he said, No, God operates within, and he was telling me about his little box. And we were talking in reference to end times, and I was trying to tell him that things could change drastically overnight. God can do anything. And he's like, no way, man. There's no way God could just change something overnight. It doesn't happen that way. Nothing in life happens that way. And I said to him, and that's because I was born in that city. My family lives in that city, did at that time Berlin. And at that time in 1989, in the summer, early summer of 1989, Berlin was divided into two parts. There was the Allied part, U.S., British, and French. And then there was the Russian part in the midst of East Germany. And there was a wall there. You've all heard about the Berlin Wall. Yes, I've seen it. Well, anyhow, I said to him, God could change anything. God could, and I don't know why I said it, God could overnight bring the wall down. And he looked at me and said, you're an idiot. That's what teenage guys would say to each other. Young guys would say, you're just an idiot, George. That's not going to happen that way. I said, yeah, God can do anything. Don't don't you believe God can do that? And so then we got tired and we went to bed. A few months later, guess what? November of 1989. Overnight, what happened? The wall came down. Why? Because God can do anything. But here's the problem. If you live within your little box, you judge others for not being in that box, but you also use the box to cover your own what? Unbelief. Do you understand? And that's what we're going to see happening today. Because remember what's happened now. In chapter 9, we're introduced to the disciples walking along. They see a guy who was born blind. They ask the question, who sinned? Because they've got this concept that all suffering is a direct result of sin. Who sinned, Jesus? Was it his parents or was it him? Him in the womb? Jesus said, neither. So that God can be glorified. And then he says, I'm about my work. And guess what he does? He Breaks the rules, he works outside of the box and heals the guy. And everybody's astonished and wants to know why and who. Well, the story continues on because he's going to be examined now by people who live in a box because what God just did was outside of the box. And when you have a box, you have to what? Judge other people. And that's what we're going to see happening here. In fact, the passage we're going to look at is verses 13 through 34. I'm not going to just read you the whole passage. We're going to take it section by section and make some points as we go. Why? Because what we're going to see here is is that these folks who live in a box, the reality is, is that facts mean nothing to them. What means something to them is their what? Box. Did you understand? Their preconceived ideas. And we're going to see here when we look at this passage that they already had a predetermined outcome. It didn't matter to them how the guy was healed. They even questioned whether he was healed or not. They already decided in their mind, their box says this, therefore it has to be this. And so it provided a cover for their unbelief and their judgment of others. Now, what does that got to do with you and I? Well, here's the danger for you and I. As believers in Jesus Christ, some of you may be walking with the Lord for a short time. Some of you may be walking with the Lord for a long time. For me, I've been walking with the Lord since April of 1985. Now, what happens is, is at some point, you begin to develop this box of how God works because that's the only way he works but here's what happens God surprises you and works in ways that are beyond your box so you're confronted with what you gotta do about that and when you're confronted you gotta make a choice keep living in your box or let God show you a different thing about himself. These folks we're going to see wanted to keep living in their box. And we're going to talk about that. So let's, let's take a look. First of all, we're going to look at verses 13 through 17. Notice with me what John writes. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. All right, now let's stop for a moment. What? I mean, this guy just got healed. Well, they're bringing him to the leaders to make sure that everything's okay. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Okay, here it is. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made clay and opened his eyes. That's why they're doing it. Look with me, verse 15. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And they said to them, he put clay in my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can this man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. And they said to the blind man again, How do you, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. All right, so here's what I want you to notice. We're going to talk about a predetermined outcome. And folks, as I talk about this, you're going to understand why some people just flat out say no to you when you talk to them about Jesus. Okay, so here it is. First thing. First of all, there's a questioning concerning the validity of what God has done. So the first thing these guys do is they question the validity of the fact that he got Healed. Now, let's stop for a moment. It's very evident this guy is somebody who's known to them because he's a beggar. He probably sits at the same place in town all the time begging for alms, begging for some sort of support. He's probably been placed there all of his life, even by his own parents. So this is, if you live in Jerusalem, and these folks live in Jerusalem They would have seen him all the time. Oh, there's that blind beggar. Or maybe they were too good and never really paid attention to him. But the reality is, is that this guy who was formerly blind now sees, and guess what? They're wanting to question what? The validity of it. How is this even possible? Because by the way, it happened on the Sabbath. God doesn't work that way. So they're questioning the validity of it. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? But how many times do we question what God does because he doesn't work within our what? Boxes. He goes on. Look with me. next thing I want you to see. Because Jesus broke their rules, their rules, he was discredited as a sinner. Now, let me remind you so that you understand these Pharisees believed that Jesus broke the rules because he did two things. Number one, he healed on the Sabbath. They felt that that was a work. You don't work on the Sabbath. They also felt that making a mud pie, kneading clay on the Sabbath was work. And so, because Jesus did both, not just heal, but kneaded clay, which he anointed the guy's eyes with. He was breaking the Sabbath. Now, here's the problem. The law says, keep the Sabbath holy. And that's all it said. It didn't say anything about healing. And it sure didn't say anything about making mud pies. Where did they get that from? Here's what they did. In their box, they understood. God told us to keep it holy. They had developed a whole system that they didn't write down. Understand, these were not written down. These were called the traditions, the oral traditions that they would repeat back to themselves to make sure they had it right. The tradition of the elders. And because he broke their tradition of the elders, they discredited him and called him a sinner. And this is what happens. When when God doesn't work in your box, you've got to come up with an explanation. So what do you do? That first thing you do is discredit the person that God's working through. You discredit them and say there's no way. This guy's a sinner. Now the problem is, here's the problem, they they're not even sure about that themselves. Because their box said, only God can do good works. And if this guy's a sinner, how's he able to do good works? Do you you see what I'm saying? The box they're living in has problems. Because you can't truly define God. No matter how good your box is. Here's the next thing I want you to see. Third thing I want you to see. There was a denial that God even worked. Worked. We see this now over in verses 18 to 23. Notice with me now in verse 18 to 23. They're not even sure if the guy got healed. Look at what it says, verse 18. But the Jews did not believe him concerning him, did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son? Who you, who you say was born blind, how then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees? We do not know, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him, and he will speak for himself." His parents said these things because they feared God, feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore the parents said, he is of age. Ask him. All right, so here it is. They're, they're, they're dealing with this guy. Think about this. Here's a guy who's been blind since birth. Everybody knows he was blind. Now he sees. They're trying to discredit the fact that Jesus did it. So now what do you do? They're exasperated because their box is falling apart, so therefore he probably was never healed. How do you know he was blind? Go call his parents. Think about this. So they bring the parents in. Is this your son? Yes. Has he been born blind? They probably were like, well, you know the answer to that. Yes, this is the guy. How did he get healed? We have no clue. Who did it? We don't know. You ask him. He's of age. What does that mean? He's of legal age according to Jewish tradition concerning the issue of witnesses and who stands for who. You ask him, he'll answer for himself. They also did it because they were afraid. Why? Because if they weren't answering within the box, they were afraid of getting kicked out of the synagogue. This is what's happening here. So here's what I want you to see. There was a denial that God even worked. When you can't explain it in your box, then it must not have happened. When you can't explain it, it must not have happened, even though it's pretty obvious that it did. There was a denial. Then, here's what else happens. Look with me now at verse 24 through 34. This is our big section. Look with me. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man's a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know is that though I was blind, now I see. But they said to him again, What did he do to you? And how did he open your eyes? And he answered, I told you already. And did you not listen? This is a bold guy, isn't he? (laughs) Did you not listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Boy, that must have flown. It didn't. Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciples. We're Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. We know that God, okay, the man answered and said to them, Why? This is a marvelous thing that you don't know where he is from. Yet he has opened my eyes. Now, we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, listen to this point he's going to make here. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Then he answered and said, they answered and said to him, you are completely born in sins. Are you teaching us? And they cast him out. What's going on here? Again, a predetermined outcome. Let's see. Final points there I want you to see. Here's what's happening. When God's work cannot be denied, the manner of the work is questioned again. So, their point was, oh, he was never healed. So they called the parents in. Was he born blind? Of course. How did he get his sight? We don't know. Ask him. Okay, so he, he obviously did. How did it happen? And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. I've already told you. How many times do you want me to tell you? Do you want to be his follower too? The guy's being Sincere. Because he really doesn't know what's going on here. The fact, what he knows is, is that I was blind and now I see. All he knows is, is God did a miracle. Jesus did a miracle. And he who was never saw anything in his life before, is his eyes are open and he now sees. So the reality is, is that when it cannot be denied, guess what? When they cannot be denied, they question how the work happened, okay? Here's the next thing I want you to see. The issue of credibility emerges as the work cannot be explained away. So now they want to question the credibility of the work. Well, it must have been something evil that happened because the guy's a sinner. Well, here's how the guy responds, and he responds in a very accurate way. He says, since the beginning of the world... Have you ever heard of anybody receiving their sight like this? Now, here's what he was doing. Remember their box? They said they were who? The disciples of Moses. Now, if you and I were to go to the Old Testament, I already did this, and we would search of how many healings of blind people were there in the history of Israel or from the beginning of Genesis up to Malachi how many healings of the blind there were here's what you're going to find in all of the years of the prophets and the great kings and everything here's what you're going to find there not is not one single healing in all of the Old Testament ever of someone being healed of blindness Now, what you will find in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah is a prophecy who states that the Messiah, when he comes, will give sight to the blind. So their very box tells them That the Messiah, the Christ, who they already predetermined that Jesus couldn't be, is the one who gives sight. What an answer from this guy, right? He's teaching the educated, the religious leaders of his day, the truth of the gospel by telling them what? It's only God that can heal the blind. And it's never happened before. This is an amazing thing. But here's the thing. So guess what they say? You were born of a sinner, and you're going to teach us? What are they doing now? Trying to discredit the guy who's speaking with him. Not just Jesus, but the guy who's speaking with him because what? We have our box. And we know this to be true. But here's the thing. God doesn't work in the boxes, does he? Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad God doesn't work in our predefined boxes? And that he can do anything he wants? Here's the final thing. Even though the work speaks for itself, it was rejected. That's unbelief, folks. Even though the work speaks for itself, what do you mean? Jesus heals a blind man. This hasn't occurred in their history of their nation from its founding, from the beginning of the books that they hold to, and they reject. Even though what they hold to says there's only one man who can do it, that's the Messiah. That's the Christ. And so they reject. Now, what, what, what's the significance of that? Here, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you this again. If you're like me, you get to the place where you have people in your life that you want to share the gospel with, you want them to know about Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't really matter how many facts you present to them. If they don't want to believe, they mean nothing. Did you understand what I'm saying? They mean nothing. There was was a Back in the, uh, the 1700s, there was a French philosopher, atheist by the name of Voltaire. Voltaire said, if a miracle occurred in the main square of Paris and thousands see it, I would not believe it, he said, because I don't believe in miracles. Even if thousands saw it. What is that? Unbelief. Living within your box But guess what? God doesn't live within our boxes, does he? So how do we apply this to our lives? This is about people who don't believe, but how does it apply to you and I? Remember I told you the danger? The danger I told you was, is that these concepts... Those concepts can provide a cover for unbelief in the judgment of others. You and I can find ourselves believing and defining ourselves by some theological box in which we believe that only God can act within this box. But the reality is, is that God transcends our boxes. And sometimes in our lives, He does things that don't fit in our box. Now the danger is, is that you and I can find ourselves, even though we know Jesus, even though we're sure of our salvation, we can find ourselves judging and even struggling with unbelief because we've made our box too rigid. And what I'm calling you to is is don't make your box rigid but allow it to be expandable. Do you know what I mean by that? It's because hopefully your box is expanding that every day as you grow in Jesus until you go to be with him, you're learning more and more about him. And it grows your box in understanding. I'll give you a practical example. So Lori and I We've been married since 1993, so that's going to be in June this year. That's going to be 29 years, okay? Now, when we got married in 1993, I thought I knew everything about her. She thought she knew everything about me. Here we are 29 years later. I have no clue about her. And I think she still thinks she knows me, but she has no clue about me. Why? Because the boxes we create for ourselves don't truly define who the person is, do they? But here's what happens. With 29 years of a marriage, hopefully those boxes are what? Expanding. Flexible. Because we're open to somebody doing something. And sometimes she does stuff that I'm surprised by. I know I surprise her. And anger her too. So, But the reality is. Your boxes need to be flexible. Or you're like these guys. Who can't believe that a blind man was made able to see. Something to think about. Let's pray.